You're listening to the Addiction Support Podcast, episode number 35. Hi, Oak Creek Wellness family. Welcome to Addiction Support Podcast, where I talk with inspiring people who share their knowledge and experience of addiction and what's working for them. This is addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. I'm your host, Melissa Sue Tucker. Welcome back, Addiction Support family. I am your host, Melissa Sue Tucker. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome. My guest this week is Dr. Dean Robb. Dean Robb is a PhD. He's a recovery coach, and his PhD is in human development. He has over 30 years of personal recovery, and he works primarily with people in recovery who are facing new bottoms, new addictions, problems with codependency, and the emergence of long-buried childhood abuse and trauma. Dr. Robb helps them recover from these deeper issues and rebuild their lives. I'm really excited for you guys to hear what Dr. Rob has to share. Uh, We go into his story a little bit. So he shares what he's been through and what he's been able to experience. And then also about how he's able to work with people on a deeper level to help them in their recovery. One of the neat things that he offers is a free consultation. So if you want to reach out to him and see if he may be a fit for you and you may be a fit for him, then that first session is free. I hope that you enjoy this podcast and please share this with anybody that you might think of as you're listening to it. If you have somebody that you know is in recovery, but you know that they're still struggling with a lot of these things, because a lot of times the addiction, the physical addiction or the codependence or the dependency on the um, chemical can go away. But if the deeper issues aren't resolved, you know, we still have those issues. And they can manifest in other ways. So I hope you enjoy this podcast with Dr. Rob. Well, Dr. Rob, thank you so much for being on the Addiction Support Podcast. I'm really excited to get to know you better and find out more about what you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely. I have a confession to make. Dr. Rob actually reached out to me back in April, and I was very behind on some of my emails. So he was gracious enough when I reached out and apologized for not reaching out to you sooner. You were very kind for being willing to be on the podcast. So I apologize publicly to you and I'm, I'm really, really appreciative of you. So thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. So let's um, jump right into it. Why don't you share with us how addictions impacted your life? Well, (laughs) in a big way, because I am (laughs) one, I, I'm a, I am an addict. Mm. Um, I got started with drinking when I was, I can't, I was either 15 or 16. I don't remember, but, um, it was, uh, in response to, but it was basically when I look back on it, it was self-medication. Uh, I was in, uh, just an unbelievable amount of pain, you know, psychic pain, because I grew up in a, in a very, very abusive, um, sometimes violent household. And um, I was severely and chronically abused for many years by uh, both my father and my mother. Hmm. And um, I sort of basically collapsed as a human being, and uh, I found 
that uh, alcohol uh, helped. Yeah. It helped relieve a lot of that. And as far as I knew, I had found my my solution. Um, and for a number of years, it, it worked at least, you know, fairly well. I, I was able to function and, uh, you know, do quite well, at least externally in life, uh, you know, according to the things that people tend to look at. But on the inside, I was still suffering. And um, I don't want to take too much time, but I basically in... 1980, I've just collapsed completely and had a, a, a very severe uh, mental breakdown. And I was actually hospitalized in, in a mental facility for about three months with severe depression. And uh, I somehow kept going for another several years until I reached yet another bottom in 1984. And I got, uh, well, I was using alcohol at that time and also painkillers, um, opiate painkillers and um, benzodiazepines, tr you know, uh, tranquilizers. Yeah, um, a good con combination for a coma and I survived but I did reach another bottom in 1984 in December and um, somehow and I somehow miraculously I I got clean I entered 12-step programs and uh, I've been clean and sober ever since and also active in my recovery ever since that's wonderful. When you went into the hospital in 1980, was that something that you chose to do, or did somebody around you say, "Hey, this needs to happen"? Or, you know, I I, I don't remember. I was in I was so uh, devastated that I, I, my me, I, my mental functioning was just about gone. I I don't even remember. Wow. So. Part of what I like to do with the podcast is let people see that there's that other side and recovery is possible. And you've been able to since then turn things around and become, you know, like you said, active in your recovery and and healthy and successful in your own right. Um, why don't you share with us what you're doing today? Well, if if you don't mind me taking a, a few minutes, I'd like to actually tell you how I did get better oh, because. It's a little bit unusual, um, at least in my uh, experience. I I did, you know, do the usual thing, but I was still in uh, severe mental pain for a number of years, uh, even in recovery, using the usual methods um, because of of the trauma that was buried inside of me, and. So I think somewhere around the second or third or, or fourth year of my recovery, I had another breakdown bottom without using. And um, I landed not in an alcohol and drug rehab, 
but in a codependency rehab hmm. where I started to come in touch with, um, you know, the, the deep wounds that were there. And I started doing work on myself through going to meetings of Codependence Anonymous, through meetings of adult children, of alcoholics, and through therapy. And I did therapy probably for about, I'm not really sure, but it seems like around 12 years. And I did the other two programs religiously for about 16 years. And the truth is that's where 95% of my recovery came was through working on myself through those two programs and dealing with the, uh, the abuse mm -hmm. that had happened to me. Would you say that addiction is, starts or comes from those deep wounds from people not knowing how to I guess address them or deal with them and then like it seems to me like it's a mental disease that comes from that pain that's so deep that we're not even able to even sometimes know about it or if we know about it like deal with it or know what to do with it and then we become biologically dependent on the chemicals after a period of time. Is that, I mean, would you say that's fair to say? That's absolutely, that's the foundation of my coaching practice is just what you said. I, I believe very strongly that, well, first of all, I think alcohol is a painkiller. Mm -hmm. It's an anesthetic, literally, uh, chemically. And um, why do you need to be anesthetized is the question. Right because you hurt. And uh, my belief is that the great, probably maybe not everybody, but I think that the vast majority of, of people in recovery from addiction are suffering on, on a very, very deep level from um, stuff that happened to them when they were young. And that is pushed down deeply down into the unconscious and they are not necessarily aware of it. Or my, the thing I see most often is it's minimized or discounted um, mm. as if it can be addressed just by doing another big book fourth step. And this is probably controversial, but my experience with that is that's pure nonsense. Um, I mean, sheer, utter nonsense. Um, when recovery tools like the Big Book were written, that was like in the late 1930s. Right. Bill had about three years of recovery when he wrote that. And the fact is they didn't know anything at, the, at that time about all this stuff. It, it started to come out in the 80s with uh, books about codependency and uh, adult children of alcoholics. And uh, that's my focus. Um, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but you would ask me who, who I tend to work with. Uh, would this be a time you would want me to talk about that? Or? Sure, absolutely, unless there's something else that you wanted to touch on first. I think one thing, too, to keep in mind, like 
I personally have never been to a 12-step meeting, and I'm assuming that some of the listeners maybe haven't as well. So um, I guess maybe while we're talking about some of this stuff, when you say the fourth step, could you share with what that might be, or is that breaking some type of a rule when it comes oh, to no. meetings? No, the, uh, the fourth step in um, Alcoholics Anonymous, as written in the big book, is it's basically taking a fearless, a fearless and moral inventory of oneself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's very limited. It, it deals with fears and your, you know, uh, selfishness and uh, sex problems and resentments. And um, it doesn't get down that deep into this kind of stuff. Um, it just doesn't. Right. Um, That's interesting. Um, so maybe on some levels, like you're saying in the eighties, more stuff came out. I've talked to a lot of people that have had a lot of success with 12 step. And I've also talked to a lot of people that have tried different 12 step meetings and they just, that wasn't their way for recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. so maybe that's the part that's missing is just getting more on the subconscious level. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's a severe lack right now uh, in um, AA is dealing with this stuff because I personally know a lot a lot of people with a lot of time who are to be blunt pretty messed up yeah. and they do not want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I know some people like that too. On, on every side, not necessarily just somebody that, you know, is struggling mm-hmm. with a chemical dependent, uh, chemical addiction and not, but yeah, it, it, yeah. it takes a very brave, very vulnerable person to be willing to step into that space. I think that's a good point. It really does. Um, I, and I think that that's why people run from it. Like they're running from being burned or something because it's so they're so frightened of their feelings mm-hmm. um, they they have some kind of unconscious belief that if they do this they'll fall apart or or the bottom will fall out beneath them um, when that's not actually true you'll just feel the feelings you've been storing up uh, in your freezer down deep in the unconscious and as you release them and as you work on the issues that that developed um, as you were a child uh, you will start to recover because my belief is that um, so-called character defects whatever you wish to call them um, when we're talking about this level of recovery are actually just uh, coping strategies or survival strategies that uh, were developed in childhood in order to cope with and survive in a dysfunctional or traumatic or abusive uh, family life. Yeah. I also want to put on there if um, anybody's listening and you're thinking that you might want to 
look at this a little bit further, I have found personally through some stuff that I've gone through that the moment that you do step into feeling those feelings and embracing them and accepting that that's part of who you are, something happens that like the negative fear kind of dissipates and then this immense power comes from taking those steps and working through that. Abs, yes. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's where true power comes from. Yeah. Is uh, entering into the authentic self. And and if that authentic self is wounded, then so be it. Let it let it come out. Yeah. That's the beauty. I remember yes. you, you, you reminded me of an experience I had um, years ago when I was early on in this process two or three years into it, and I was I was having one of my sessions, I called them, where I would just sit on the bed and just sob, this racking, you know, convulsive sobbing for, you know, a half hour or an hour of all, you know, the very, very deep pain that was just coming out. And I had the strangest experience, sort of off to the side, in the back of my head, there was this part of me that simultaneously with all this deep pain and hurt that was coming out, I felt, believe it or not, joy. Hmm. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and I thought about it for several days and I suddenly realized what it was. I was finally being real for the, and I was being me, the real me for the first time in like 40 years. Wow. That's such a beautiful feeling. Yeah. I was being me and me was hurt. Yeah. And that's okay. And that is definitely okay. You can get through it with support and help. Um, I think that I work with people. This is my forte as a recovery coach vast majority of recovery coaches work with people in early recovery who are having trouble getting clean. I work, I tend to work with people that already have some recovery, but are now encountering these issues, their codependency, um, these very deep feelings starting to come up, or their life uh, in recovery starting to come unglued um, there's, there's a thing that we go through. There's a fellow I know, I've worked with him as a sponsor for over 20 years, and his life has sort of come together and completely fallen apart uh, at least three times over that period. And the last one, when he had like 22 years of recovery, he ended up homeless, living in a Salvation Army, huh. and it was, and I've been trying to get him to look at this stuff, and each time he would put together a life, but then these underlying issues would undermine it hmm. and destroy it, and his life now is finally coming together for real because he's starting to address them. He said something very interesting. He said, Dean, I, I finally understand something you've been telling me. And I said, what's that? He goes, this stuff will kill you just as dead as booze and drugs. Yeah. 
That's a good point. And codependency is a deep one. That one, I recently started learning that as I'm going through the podcast and studying and researching. And that one takes on so many different forms that unless you know what you're looking for, you have no idea that that's going on. Like, that's probably my addiction if I had to put something on that. You know? Okay. And so yeah. that's a powerful one. It is. Yeah. If, if you, the, the general signal is if your relationships are, are messed, really messed up, 95% chance you're a codependent. Mm, that's a you good know, point. to keep it simple. Um, and I would say today mine are very healthy. I, I did a lot of work. I didn't label it as codependency, but I did a lot of work in the past. So today they're really healthy and strong. However, sometimes it takes work and sometimes I have to take a step back and look at it, you know? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So tell me, you know, who do you work with? If somebody wanted to work with you, who's your ideal client? My ideal client is somebody who is uh, in some kind of recovery process. I don't need it to be any particular kind, but they're, they're working on their recovery um, and they're past the point of, you know, struggling with putting down the substance, you know. Okay, so they're sober. Yeah, but what they're doing, well, out. what's happening now is they're in, they're encountering, and they're this deeper stuff that, and it's it's severely or you know significantly negatively impacting their life, either their career or their relationships, their finances, um, or just their, their serenity in general. And they don't quite know what's going on. Um, but what's really going on is that they're encountering their codependency. They are encountering their childhood wounds. They are encountering those um, dysfunctional coping strategies that I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, helped you survive as a child, but paradoxically undermine your life as an adult. Um, and they're trying to build a new life for themselves, but these things I just mentioned are, you know, severely preventing them from doing that. Right. And so what I, I like to do, because I have tremendous personal experience in this area, and I also went back to school for my doctorate in human development to study this kind of thing, is I want to help them rebuild their life but, you know, it has to be a two-pronged uh, approach. You, you know, you have to take action toward what you want in your life. But in parallel, you have to address these deeper underlying issues or the, the former plan will, will, will come unglued right. and fall apart. So that's who I work with. 
So do you coach people through both of them, through taking action and then also through uncovering some of the deeper issues and working through some of that? Yes. And how do you primarily work with people? Do you work with people all over the place on the phone or are you mostly in person? All over the place. I have, I had a client in Thailand. Oh, wow. I had one in England. Um, you know, there's, I have one in, uh, Alaska. Uh, so, and we do it usually via Skype or telephone. Um, whatever they prefer. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you and we'll put these in the show notes too. So if your guys are driving or working out, you can come back to the website and find them. But how would somebody get a hold of you? Okay. Well, first my website is, uh, www.nextstagerecovery.com. Um, my email is Dr. Rob, that's D-R-R-O-B-B, at nextstagerecovery.com. My uh, home office is area code 908-757-4721, and my cell is 908-922-3009. And I'm on your website. It's laid out really well, and th- that information's readily available right there. So, would you prefer email or phone, or does it matter? Does not matter. Okay. And what can somebody expect if they reach out to you? What does the process kind of look like? Well, I I, I offer um, anybody who calls me a free, uh, what I call an exploratory session, which is kind of getting to know you on both sides, you know, they get to know me as a person and as a uh, coach. And they, I talk with them about what's going on. And, uh, you know, over an hour or or whatever it takes, uh, discover, um, you know, how we could work together, whether they want to, and uh, start, you know, roughing out a bit of a plan for them. And, uh, I don't really impose anything. My experience is that uh, people do better if they have three to four coaching sessions a month. Um, it signals a commitment and a willingness to do it. Um, but if they can't afford that, then I, we can talk about what they can afford and work out uh, a plan to do that. That's good. So you're you're willing to work with people if they need that? Yes. I love that. Well, if anybody's listening and you're thinking that this might be something where you would like to reach out and talk to Dr. Rob, you give him a call. I'll go ahead and, like I said, list that information in the show notes as well. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? Um, let me think. You put me on the spot here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was rude of me. I guess. No, it's fine. That's what you do. <laughs> I, I, I think what I'd like to say is there's hope. Um, a lot of people that 
because they, when they come to me, they're feeling hopeless. And I, I, I have to say that there's hope. There is definitely hope you can recover. Um, you just need to do something new and different. And you need to uh, turn around, uh, stop running uh, from whatever it is that's following you and, um, and, and face it. And you can recover from these issues. I know many, many, many people who have. Yeah, it's challenging, yes, but it is definitely doable. And you can build a great life in spite of what happened to you as a kid. Yeah, you can turn all that around and use it to help other people in a big way. But I'm going to say one more thing. Mm -hmm. I've had my most successes in life when I've hired a coach. So yes, there is hope. And the most successful athletes in the world, the most successful business people in the world, they all have coaches. And it's really important that if you want to do something different or have something different, I like coaching because in my experience, it's been a lot faster than therapy, but y you need a coach. You need somebody that's been there and that can see things from a different point of view because if you had all the answers and you could do it yourself, you wouldn't be in that situation. So I'm going to add that yeah. at the end. Yeah. If um, you had yeah. the answers, you would have already implemented them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've had, I've hired relationship coaches. I've hired a listening coach. Like I, I love coaching. I love coaches. And Dr. Robbie can tell that you're very empathetic and you've been there. And at the same time, I know that you're a no nonsense type of person. And, um, yeah, I, I think that if anybody's in that situation and you're looking for that next level, you should reach out to Dr. Rob and see if there might be a fit there. That's great. That's the next level or what I call the next stage. Mm, the next stage. Yeah, I love the butterfly, the cocoons and the butterfly on your website. It's, it's so mm -hmm. perfect for what you're going through. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Addiction Support. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was, it was wonderful. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Rob, for being on the podcast today. If you guys want to get a hold of Dr. Rob or you want to leave a comment for him, come back to the show notes, addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash episode 35 and leave a comment below. All you have to do is have, um, a Facebook page. And if you're logged into Facebook, you can go ahead and leave your comment that way. But I'm sure he would love to see any comments. Let us know how this has impacted you and let us know how we can support you further. Until next time, I see you surrounded with light and love. I love you. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Support Podcast. Addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. www.addictionsupportpodcast.com.